Gordon White got it under control and drilled in a low shot from the edge of the box. Smith at full stretch to make the save. Max Wright sent in a cross met by Greenhill again. But Graham Smith pulling off a great save to deny the Shire. Hi everybody, welcome to Shaky Sports Journeys. Um, gone back, I've been doing a lot of cricket recently uh, and I've dived back into the into the football world. It's a, it's a pleasure to be joined by uh, Mr Graham Smith, a.k.a. Schmiddy from Rangers. How are you, sir? Very well, thanks for having me. Good man, good man. Uh, how's, uh, how's life been recently then? You must have been, uh, obviously, you know, first time we touched base with each other, it was a mutual, mutual uh, introduction through big Graham McLaren, a good friend of mine, I believe uh, you've been pals with him for a few years yourself now. Yeah, I just, f friends were kind of late teens, early 20s, and then uh, obviously we've kind of both grew up and matured at the same time as we've both got kids that are similar ages and stuff, so uh, yeah, and, and him being a Celtic fan, which is unusual, but uh, nah, as I say, he's a good big fella, so uh, likes his cricket and his football, so yeah, good lad. No, no, he's, a, he's a top man and I appreciate, appreciate the introduction. So what I want to do today, is it alright to call you Smiddy? No problem at all. On your Twitter, you're I know the person that does call me Smiddy, the wife and the kids. <laughs> uh, so, born 3rd of October 1982 uh, in lovely Bells Hill. Talk to me about, what was it like growing up in, uh, in Bells Hill? What was your childhood? Well, I'm actually, an Aird, I'm actually Airdrie born and bred, because that was the closest hospital. But uh, yeah, I've been an Airdrie man all my days. Uh, saying I've never moved away too far for the family home, I've moved about a, a fair bit as I've got older from house to house just with the kids getting older and stuff but I've never kind of moved away for you, it's, it's a place that had opportunities at times but never happened so I've always kind of been lucky enough that any of the clubs I've played for I've been able to kind of base myself here and just travel so it's been, uh, yeah it's been good. Good stuff, good stuff. So growing up, you know, when did you, when did you start when did football, football in the family, or you know, is it was it something you know? What when did you start kicking the ball and realizing you were good at it? Uh, I can I remember as early as I can remember. I've always had a ball. Uh, I've got an older brother, David, who uh, is three years older than me, so he was a centre forward. So I think that was how I ended up making the transition into goals. I was getting the wee, the younger brother was getting papped in the goals, getting shots at him. But uh, my dad, massive Rangers fan, massive Scotland fan. Uh, as as were the rest of my family, uh, and as I say, just having an older brother, just always had a ball. I, I, I can't remember being into anything else, uh, being into BMXs or skateboards or anything. I just any any spare time I had, I just always the football. And as I say, I think that was partly with my dad and my uncles and stuff, and, and my brothers rubbing off on me. They say I've been a, a big big Rangers family for a long time, uh, and, and big Airdrie fans as well. Some of my family as well who have moved to different places in the world, but they've always kept their Scottish roots and, the, and the, they've always been diamonds as such. So, yeah, it's just been, as I say, any time I can remember, I always did football. I was just obsessed with football. And that was that was all I ever done. <laughs> yeah, because kids these days, Smiddy too concerned with computer games and uh, sitting in front of the TV screen, I think, you know, back back in my uh, uh, childhood, like, like yourself, it was all outdoors. I would like yeah. to see more kids Putting, uh, putting jumpers down and seeing a game of football going on here and there, you don't, you don't see as much of it anymore. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's like anything else. I can always remember, I don't know how many, how many neighbours' fences and hedges I broke through kicking the ball and how many council lampposts I broke through, probably missing the target right enough, but all these things. Whereas now you never really see anybody by a front fence or a front garden and 
kids are too easy probably now. They've got far more options and technology is a massive thing. I mean, I've got a ten year old and eight year old to funnily enough they're away to football tonight, but but they're training tonight. But it's again, it's kids. They'd rather pick up a TV remote or a or a joystick now than, than pick up a football or any or any other sort of ball. Uh, and as I say, the facilities that that are there now are are kind of few and far between as well. I know it's getting better in terms of the council trying to put stuff in, but uh, it's certainly different from when obviously when I was younger. And as I say, we only had outdoorsy. I mean, you went out and you, your mum and dad, I'm not saying they didn't bother about you, but you, you were out till you get shouted for your dinner, and then after your dinner, you were in quick getting your dinner, and then you wanted back out till, till it was till it was bedtime, and that was and the, the same pattern just repeated every single day. Uh, but as I say, probably got far more choices and probably far more worldly wise now. Uh, uh, a lot of them, with all the different stuff they watch. But uh, yeah, it's just it's just a sign of times. That's just the way it is. But even at start of lockdown, I'm trying. Even at start of lockdown, I'm trying to keep mine off technology, and yet all the homework's on iPads and it's on computers and it's PDFs. And I'm just like, what happened to a pen and a bit of paper and a jotter? But it's just the way it is now. I suppose. Yeah, no, it's, it's, but you know, it's important to keep. Keep that old-fashioned, you know. Great to hear that your boys are away, away at football training just now. So I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you keep you, you keep a fine balance between technology and you know them keeping fit and look, looking after themselves as well. So I heard a rumor that you didn't always start as a goalkeeper. No, you said your brother patched in the goals early doors, but were you were you fond of playing outfield to begin with? Uh, yeah, I did. I actually, the kind of when I was there, under ten was the kind of first age group you ever got. And it wasn't obviously as formalised and it wasn't as kind of organised as what it is now in terms of, I mean, you had guys that were printers, electricians and everything else that took young young teams and they didn't have coaching badges or anything, it was just guys that facilitated training and games and, and these guys did great in terms of, their, uh, in terms of like obviously coaching kids and putting things together and fundraising and everything, but my brother being under 10 when he played, so I was always kind of three years below, I was just always kicking the ball about the side of the pitch. And then all of a sudden, they kind of seen that I was no half decent, and I got a wee ten minutes here and a wee twenty minutes there, and then so I ended up playing kind of two year above myself for a lot of time, which obviously helped as well. But yeah, I was a kind of centre midfielder stroke. Uh, I think the slower I go, I went back to sweeper, and then I couldn't go any further back than in the goal. So uh, I think that's how it kind of hanged me. But yeah, I didn't actually my first proper season in goals would probably been about I would have been about fourteen or fifteen. So I was quite a late bloomer in terms of that, but. Uh, I mean, no, no, a lot of people have said to me over the years that my distribution from both both uh, feet was 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 one of the things that, that, that stood out, and I and I think that played a massive part in actually being an outfielder. And kind of even when I got older, I'd still the odd time if I was allowed during the summer, I would go and play five sides with my pals and seven sides, and I would never ever play on goals because I just you know, to say a lot of goalkeepers are, are frustrated at fielders, but I was never really like that. I just loved playing football, as I say, and then. The, the chance for me to go in goals and then when I went in goals actually there was actually more a chance I thought well I've got a chance of being professional here so as I say it just kind of stuck for there and then the kind of the guys who used to idolise as outfield players you started to lean more towards the goalkeeping guys so that was just kind of how it evolved for there but they say it all comes out of that bit where you just wanted to play all the time so uh, it was a kind of yeah, late transition probably compared to a lot of other people yeah well interesting interesting join Kilmarnock Boys Club in 2000 you, you, can you can you remember that yeah, I can. Uh, I'd actually been playing with kind of Rangers Supporters Association, who uh, my my dad had helped helped take a few of the teams, and I mean we had an unbelievable team then. We had kind of like some myself, Stephen Hughes, Stephen Doby, uh, obviously guys who went on to play in the first team. We had John Rankin as well, who 
who's only just retired there, had a great career as well. Uh, and then obviously my dad went back the way and started taking like to Scott Fox and Graham Dorans and guys like that in his team. So as I say, although he didn't have his badges, didn't have else, him and his assistant manager, uh, a guy called Alec Donaldson, who sadly passed away. Uh, as I say, they were they were one of the major influences in in, in me growing up, and they, they taught me a lot as as not just a footballer, but as a person as well. And as I say, I still I still try to instill their values that they instilled in me all, all these years later. Uh, and as I say, that that was that was the bit that, that that we got to in terms of as I say, just just being a good guy. And, and as I say, uh, then as I say, for the, for there, uh, I kind of got released for Rangers about fifteen. So I spent I spent a season at uh, Air United, and then had an opportunity to go. I think it was a tournament in Sweden, and then Kilmarnock came in and asked me to go to the Milk Cup, and I went and, and I played every. I played most most minutes in most games and did quite well. Again, it was a, it was a tournament. It was probably a year above me or two years above me, uh, but I handled myself okay. And then after that, the the, the kind of contract talk started. So I had a year at under sixteens. Uh, fun enough, I was quite fortunate in terms of the, the full time goal at the time, the apprentice goal at the time. He was under eighteen. He broke his foot or he broke his ankle during about the January time. So in actual fact, I got to play kind of. Saturday with the, the under-18s and Sunday with the under-16s for, for kind of six months just before I went full-time. So again, kind of quite fortunate that the day things kind of went for me as well uh, and obviously kind of sped up my development as such. But uh, it was, uh, yeah, good times. I say a lot of time, come on, great, absolute great club. Really enjoyed my time there. Well, yeah, and I, I say it was a fantastic upbringing in football. When you look at your career, there's two main clubs that stand out. It's, it's interesting to hear you say that. You know, you obviously... Yeah, we're going to touch on it. You had you had a you had a nice nice spell at Rangers, but Kilmarnock is the club that you kind of you have some you have a couple of spells at. So you, I mean, are you you're very 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 thankful for the time that you had with that with Kilmarnock, good club. You yeah, see? great great upbringing, great coaches. As I say, great family club, really looked after me. Uh, and as I say, a couple of loan spells while I was there. Ended up being there eight years in total, but I just felt as if I got to a period. As I say. We had a great youth team with loads of great players come through and played for the first team, Stephen Naismiths, Chris Boyd, guys like that. Uh, probably there are obviously many others that that, that uh, I've probably no mentioned, but uh, as I say, the we had a great upbringing. I wouldn't have, wouldn't have swapped it for the world. It was tough. It was tough. Certainly different from what the guys are used to now. Young young the young apprentices are used to now, but uh, I wouldn't swap it for the world. It was it was the making of me a man as a player, and it was it was one of the reasons that I probably. Uh, played for for the, the how the amount of time that I did, uh, and as I say, instilled the values in me and and just learned the game. And as I say, that allied with a couple of loan spells, and and I thought that when when I got to a point of of kind of being a number one as such and pushing in, there was different circumstances. Obviously, kind of I had, I had a stuttering stuttering period of trying to not really sustaining a lot of games. It was kind of in and out, in and out through various different things. So as I say, I just decided to leave. Uh, but as I say, no, I thoroughly enjoyed my time. I come out a great club. Can I speak highly enough of the place? Yeah, good to hear. Uh, am I right in saying then loan to Queens Park? Um, two thousand. You, you had a spell two thousand one to two thousand two. Went went over to Lesser. Was it still? Would they would they have played it? Played yeah, it was still it was still Hamden at that time. Uh, it was again just weird circumstances how that came about. I think the first team were playing Queens Park in a pre-season friendly. And Bobby Williamson, the manager, I think Queen's Park goalie had been injured the week before or the day before, and Bobby Williamson came up to me and he says, uh, uh, he kind of asked me politely, I kinda, do you want a game for Queen's Park? I think it was more of a test, it was a kind of, well, you're playing whether you like it or no, but uh, 
again just going back to that bit I just lo- wanted to play football it was bit, it was good going to be playing against the first team players so playing against guys like Ian Durant Ali McCoy stuff like that so I said of course I want to play uh, I think I ended up getting beat 4 or 5-0 but the manager at the time of Queen's Park I was only 18 at the time the manager for the Queen's Park John McCormick had seen enough of me in that game and said look we want to take you in loan for the season which is obviously I was getting to that period where I, my kind of my time with the youth team was finishing, I was looking towards kind of getting that transition into the first team, so it was ideal, it fitted all, uh, it, 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 it fitted everybody, it fitted the bill, so as I say, it was, it was a, a really enjoyable experience, it was tough bits again, there was tough bits within that season, there was there was good bits and bad bits, again, learning about the game, learning about yourself as well, in terms of how you deal with pressure, how you deal with mistakes, how you deal with, with, with things going well, and, and as I say, it was just, again, the, the first two loans that I had were, were pivotal and for me playing for so long again it was it was something that I certainly encourage our, our young goalkeepers to do now Just a question I've got for you you know goalkeepers is a, a kind of a different a different breed you know he's a between the posts you're kind of separated a lot of the time from you know what's what, what's going on and what's going on in the pitch you're not not separated but you know you're expected to the same goals what what is it a different type of pressure if you make a bundle and you, like, I know in cricket, if you drop a catch, you've got 10 guys who may not be saying anything to you, but they're all kind of giving you that look like, mate, you've dropped an important catch there. What is it like as a goalkeeper when you, punt, you know, drop one out of the hands and somebody pops it in, or you, you should save one or catch it and you, you put it down and something, you know, what, what's the, is, is it must be a different type of pressure. Yeah, again, I mean, it's handling that pressure is, is whether you're successful or not, because as we've noted, I mean, throughout time, the goalkeepers at the top level still make mistakes as well. And as I say, probably even happen kind of more now in the big games because the amount of cameras there is, there's no hiding place, and goalkeepers spend a lot more of their training week working on ball at their feet because they want to be a, an 11th man, and etc. So, as I say, even the fact that sometimes you get the wee bit of the fundamentals that have came away and, and probably don't work on it as much. So, again, the guys that are successful, the guys that handle it, I mean, I've, I've said this a million times, the, the, the mental pressure that a goalkeeper is under is totally different to for, for a striker. A striker can a striker can in, in train all week and, and go out and miss 10 chances. A goalkeeper can't do that at the other end because, as I say, the, the likelihood is, if, unless he's got a, good, a right good manager that likes him, he's not going to be playing the next week. And as I say, that's just, that's just part and parcel of it. That's... That, that is what kind of separates goalkeepers from everybody else and it's the old saying where if a centre forward gives the ball away there's there's 10 players behind them and if midfielders give it away there's 5 players behind them if, if the defenders give it away etc etc but see that's just the life of a goalkeeper it's 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 just weird it's, that's, just, that's just football where you'll you, you have a great game and lose 3 goals and yet you could have a poor game where nothing comes your way and the wee fumbles that you make get cleared and you end up getting clean sheets and it's just it's just bizarre that's just football but as I say, that, that bit of going to Queen's Park and, and playing first team football in front of a real crowd is was certainly different from playing under 18s when you're playing in front of, you're only really playing in front of mums and dads and, and maybe one man and his dog at the side, whereas you go and play, although Queen's Park you're maybe only playing in front of 5, 000, eh, 500, sorry, but again it's that bit of you've got people constantly behind your goal one half telling you you're great and then when you go up the away end and everybody's telling you you're rubbish no matter what you do so it's just handling that pressure and handling that kind of that 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 real bit uh, as i say is what what kind of determines whether you're going to be successful no i i, I, I think well that's good that's good good to hear your, your mindset on that i'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it later but obviously you, you pass this knowledge on to the younger lads now so this must be quite a lot of the stuff that 
that comes up, but we, we will touch on that. You know, but you, you, you went on, you played again, you know, sorry, 2003, um, you had a spell with Stenhouse Muir, and you started 34 games there. So how was how was your spell? How was your spell there? It's kind of strikes me as you know you were you were really learning your trade right now. Yeah, again, it's some similar something similar that that I try and do with and almost like tear it up and level it up because when I was playing with Queens Park, it was the old second division at the time, which is a uh, sorry old third division at the time, which was League Two now. Uh, and then the next year when I went to Stenhouse Muir, it was it was the second division, which was obviously League One. So it was just just building up the, building up the standards, and as I say, just keeping up the levels as such. And as I say, best preparing myself for for trying to get in the command at first team because at that point in time, that was all I wanted to do was get in and, and make a name for myself in the first team. But I was understanding of where I was in the kind of the pecking order or the layer cake, whatever you want to call it. And as I say. You've got to go out and get your, but rather than play with the youth team or, or sit and train and sit on a bench, I wanted to go out and, and, and get my hands dirty as such and, and say experience as much as I could because it's only now that it's only now that you can look back in your career and you think, well, I played for I played for nineteen seasons professionally. I could have extended it longer if I didn't go into coaching. Uh, I think the two or three years when I went alone, they were absolutely pivotal in, in terms of that. And as I say, that they, they were the foundation for me to go and play at various different levels and, and be a number one, a number two, a number three, just at, at various different clubs. So as I say, it gave me that kind of broad knowledge and broad understanding of how hard football really, really is. Because again, it's people on the TV can sit and people in the crowd and people everything else. But until you're actually there and you're in that position, it, it's it's a lot harder than it's a lot harder than than, than it looks uh, at times and as i say there's good bits and there's bad bits but ultimately the people that handle the pressure the best are the, are the people that are successful and play play at a high level absolutely so yeah you waited a while but uh 7th of march 2004 you got your chance you made your debut for Kilmarnock. um as a sub i believe during a one-off game with hearts yeah, it was Hearts, I can remember that as well. It was live in the telly. I think it was a Sunday game, actually. It was live in the BBC. Uh, and obviously, we had two strong teams at that time. The SPL was, was strong. Uh, Kelly Kelly were a good squad, and so were Hearts. And it was kind of just... Uh, I had a few niggly injuries the season before, and I'd come in and played a couple of games, and then I was out. And then, uh, and obviously, the with the with the, the, the loan, I uh, managed to play about 30-odd games with Stenhouse Moore. So as I say, there was... Uh, a couple of injuries that kept me out of squads and stuff, and then all of a sudden uh, it was half time, so I'd kind of finished my, my half time warm up and went in to get a quick drink of juice or whatever it may be, and or, or, or get, a, get get a toilet. And then the next minute, the, the kit man's running down the corridor at Rugby Park, and he's screaming, Smithy, Smithy, you need to hurry up. Melly's done his calf. So it was called Melody was playing, so uh, it was kind of probably good that you, you don't get a chance to think about it. Sometimes that can go for you and against you. Sometimes people like to know that they're going to play or or they uh, or they, they, they don't like to think about it, they'd rather get told last minute, but it was just one day once, it was what it was. Uh, I come on, uh, I think I come on at 0-0, uh, 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 as I say, lost a goal, but uh, had a couple of decent saves, and, and as I say, for, for, for a debut to be live on the telly and, and get the kind of pats in the back off the gaffer and the assistant miser and the players after the game was good, and as I say, it was, it was one of the ones where you just wanted more. You just wanted more and you wanted to stay in that environment. So, yeah, that was how it all kind of kicked off. It's almost, a, it's, almost a, it's almost a good one because you didn't have the night before to maybe build up the kind of pressure of 
complained tomorrow, but you know, my first game, you were just kind of chucked in the deep end, right? You're in there. Yeah, I mean, that's that again, go back to that mental side. That's every every goalkeeper's different, it's no kind of one size fits all. Where some guys like to know a couple of days in advance and they like to prepare themselves properly and look at opposition and things like that. And obviously, that's a massive side of the game now, but back then it was kind of I didn't see the point not worrying about stuff like that. It was kind of whatever's going to happen is going to happen in the game. Whether I'm playing, whether I'm playing in front of five hundred people or fifty thousand people, I'm still going to have to do the same things to have a a good game or a successful game. So I I was never one of the ones that kind of worried about what was coming or who I was going to be playing against. It was yeah, you would look at penalty takers to give yourself a kind of better better idea if something went a, a penalty give against you or something like that. But you maybe you look at corners, especially. Modern day, it's massive the, the, the kind of analysis. But back then, it was the old X's and O's on the board, and that was your team talk. And there was no video clips, there was no anything like that. It was just you just it was you against them, and you had to get the better of your opponent, and that was it. So as I say, yeah, it was just one of the things that uh, to, it's, again, it's probably a couple of days later when you start reading the papers and you start seeing that oh, hold on a minute, I'm in the kind of big time as such here now. It's no, it's no a wee column of two inches in the in, in the Sunday Mail. It's you're getting a full spread, and it's. You're getting rated by, obviously, again, you're getting rated by guys that don't play football, but they've got a fair idea. So, as I say, just things like that, where you, at that such a young age, you think, yeah, this is, this is a bit of me, I like this, I want more of this. Oh, quality, quality. You were part of the uh, the squad as well in the uh, 2007 League, Scottish Cup League, Scottish League Cup final. You were an unused sub, he's lost 5 1 to Hibs, you know, was. Uh, was that, was that a bit of a was that a bit of a down downward? What, what was it like in the change of there? You must have been buzzing. The squad must have been buzzing to be in a final, you know. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, the league, the build up was good. I mean, the club did well for us too. We had St Andrews. I'd actually played all the rounds. And I played the quarter final, and then I never played the semi final. Uh, obviously, I was having a dispute about a contract because. Alan Coleman at the time was was the experienced goalkeeper and he was coming in and doing well. He was sorry, he was he was having niggly injuries and stuff that was keeping him out for three or four games. So I was coming in doing well, clean sheets, man of the matches, penalty saves, etc. Uh, and as soon as Coleman was fit again, he was back in the team. So again, maybe a little bit big time for me. I don't know. Maybe a little bit naive back then, but I thought well, I've, I can I can only get experience through playing. Uh, so as I say, obviously things with the contract didn't work out. So I, got, I ended up no playing the semi final. Uh, in, in fairness, Alan Combe did well. Stephen A. Smith was fantastic. I think he scored the hat trick. Uh, and obviously, so you're sitting there on the bench for the final. But again, wanting the boys to do well, wanting the boys to win. Uh, but we were playing a very, very strong Hibs team. Very, very strong Hibs team. Like Sir Kevin Thompson, Scott Brown, uh, Stephen Fletcher, guys like that. So as I say, it was. We lost a goal for a set play quite early on, and, and, and we never kind of recovered from it. And it was just, it was a tough day. It was a tough day, uh, and as I say, it was great that we got there. But at the end of the day, when you get there, you've got to win it, and you've got to try and win it. And as I say, we were just disappointed that we didn't do that, and and it ended up the scoreline, the scoreline kind of was a bit more flattering to Hibs than what probably what the game suggested because we, we did at times make a first step. But as I say, they were a very very strong team under John Collins. Yeah, good. Well, you were doing all right. They should have just kept ah, it's just that, and it's just one of the things you you learn when you're older. That as I say, I I've, I'd get in the team and I, and I thought I deserved to stay in the team. And obviously the manager wanted to go with experience, which now I understand that. Probably when I was younger, I didn't, uh, because as a player you just look at the you've only got you to look after, and you're a bit you obviously need to be selfish that way. 
Uh, now that I'm in the coaching side of the football, it's I mean it's now totally different, and my mindset has changed to a point where you've now got to think of the bigger picture and 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 the team thing and everything else like that. But as I say, it was just one of the things we did. As I say, we did fantastic to get there because uh, we beat beat a couple. There was a couple of difficult games in there, and as I say, just unfortunately the final never went our way. And as I say, it was a, it was a sore score line. 27th of June 2007 must be a day you look back on quite fondly. Very proud moment for the family as well. Um, you signed a, a, a three-year deal, I believe, at the time with Glasgow Rangers on a free transfer. Would that would, would I be right in saying that you came in under Walter Smith? Yeah, yeah. So Walter took over for Paul Aguin just the previous. I think it was in January. So he made a couple. Of, he made a couple of. Uh, he made a couple of. Uh, kind of pre-contract signs, I think he signed Kurt Broadfoot, Alan Gow uh, and obviously I was actually a free agent at the time, I was actually a free agent at the time, I was on I was on holiday because again going back to what we just spoke about there about Kilmarnock, uh, I, I decided to leave the club, didn't have, actually have a club, my agent had been spoke, speaking to a few different clubs and there were a couple of bit of interest for down south and there was a couple of kind of teams for abroad uh, that, that I kind of looked at as well. Uh, and then I was on holiday, and obviously I got uh, a phone call from my agent at the time, who was Dan Jackson, uh, and he, he said to me, "Look, we've had we've had uh, Walter Smith on the phone," uh, and and then that was that. <laughs> it was basically right. Do you want me to fly home early? Where did I sign? So uh, as I say, and he's like, "No, just enjoy your holiday. Just keep yourself right." He says it's it's early stages, but obviously I'll, I'll keep in touch. And then within a matter of a couple of days. We got everything sorted, and it was actually a, it was actually a couple of weeks went by where uh, I'd actually signed the contract, uh, and there was a couple of weeks went by where obviously they weren't releasing it till pre-season, so it was kind of like your mum and dad knew and your brother knew, but you weren't allowed to tell them. So that was it was probably harder for them than it was for me. Yeah. Uh, but as I say, now nah, it was a proud moment. As I say, uh, I I I felt as if. Obviously, I wanted to go to Rangers and, and play as much as I could. But again, you go into a bigger club. There's there's stiffer competition there. But as I say, obviously my 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 performances at the uh, Kilmarnock at the time, although it was only maybe sixty or seventy, uh, or 60, fifty or sixty games of Kilmarnock, uh, obviously they felt that 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 they wanted it wanted uh, looking at me. And as I say, uh, grateful for Walter for giving me the opportunity to go. And as I say, because. I learned a lot for myself again in the years I was there in terms of being professional and, and looking after myself and as I say, obviously being part of a group of international uh, football players and as I say, everybody had their, their different uh, the, the languages and, and the different way they looked at football and everything else, so it opened my mind up to stuff like that as well but as I say, yeah, it was kind of, as soon as I heard that Rangers were interested, it's kind of all the other clubs just went in the back burner because, as I say, my sole focus was right. Let's 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 get cracking. That's, that's a boyhood dream, isn't it? You, you you know, growing up, come from a Rangers family. You know, you want to play for that would have been the dream, I'd imagine. Yeah, again, I mean, it's like loads of other, there's loads of players of of kind of went to Rangers and 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 as I say, I was disappointed the fact I only played one game that was there. But again, I had I had international goalkeepers ahead of me in the pecking order. I'm not I'm not that naive that, that to know that. That was never going to be the case, but you go and you give it your best, and you and as I say, I certainly left a better goalkeeper than than, than I started there uh, through working with these guys every day. And as I say, would have been kind of Neil Alexander and would have been Alan McGregor as well. Well, Alan, Alan had just Alan. That was Alan's first end. Of Alan's first season. He'd obviously displaced Lionel Latizzi, who'd left, and and as I say, he'd started to to play games, and then obviously Roy Carroll came in for the first six months. 
again Roy was the same at an after football he was he was frustrated so after six months he only played one game he played the League Cup game that season the first League Cup game sorry uh, and then obviously left in the January to, to go to, to Derby in the Premier League and and, and again so I, I played the first Scottish Cup game uh, and that obviously ended up being my, my debut and my kind of one and only competitive game, but is it again, no, it's a 100% record, I clean sheet, one game, one clean sheet, but uh, no, on a serious note, as I say, again, that was just, I can remember when I first went to Rangers, and, and again, Barry Ferguson was great with me, and he was pals amazing, and we went out for, for lunch, and he just sat down and said, look, here's the expectations, here's how it's different for other clubs you've been at, and, and here's what's expected of you, uh, and, and again, I mean, there was one point at Rangers where, they had uh, Stephen Kloss, Lionel Sherboni and Anthony Niemi all at the club at the one time. So again, I mean, three international goalkeepers with an unbelievable pedigree and yet on a Saturday one of them is going to have to sit in the stand. He says, so again, there'll be times where you're number two, there'll be times where you're number three. He says, hopefully there's times you're number one. And, and again, that was that was kind of the, the way it went. And that's just how it goes at a big club. The competition for places is fierce. And again, we had we had international football players that couldn't go on the bench. That was just, that was just the the strength and depth we had at the squad in that time, but again, wouldn't swap my time there, wouldn't swap my time there at all, if I, even if I, even if I knew then, if, if I knew then that I wasn't going to play a lot of games, I would still probably make the same decision, because as I say, it was it was the club that I grew up supporting as a boy, and, and, I'd, and I'd always regret if I never, never, if I never went, and never, never done my, done my bit to try and get in the team, and, and be involved, and, and the successful squads that I was involved in, as I say, we had two unbelievable campaigns when I was there, uh, won a few trophies, and as I say, uh, obviously it came to a point then it was time for me to go and kind of use the tools that I'd, I'd, I'd uh, or the kind of strings I'd got in my bow there to, to good effect by playing again, so as I say, but uh, you really enjoy my time, winning the swap of the world, and as I say, it's it's my club and it's everybody that knows me knows it's it's Rangers as my team and, and that's that, that'll never change, so as I say, that, that was... Too, too good to turn down. Well, listen, you mentioned there that you were working with international goalkeeper after international goalkeeper. You know, if young lads coming through, I'd imagine that you're working with now, would give the, give the, give the left arm or something to go, to go and get to work with these guys week in, week out. And I think it's, um, I think you should be proud, very, very proud that you, you were signed because of your talents to go to Rangers Football Club. But as you've, as you've touched on there, it's no easy to break into to be a, a Rangers or a Celtic first team goalkeeper, and there was very big names with it with the gloves at Rangers at your time. So you know, but did, did you ever find mentally it was it was hard to keep yourself up? But it doesn't sound like it was because it sounds like you were going into training. You're probably probably buzzing to train with some of these guys. Yeah, at, at times it's like anything else. It's like your career. So it goes through stages where. As I say, at times I was a number three, and that was the times when I, I could batter my fitness because you know you weren't going involved, and then there was times you were getting on the bench, and then as I say, there, there, as much as I had fortunate things that happened to me previously with Kilmarnock and growing up, and obviously think think getting the breaks and things going your way, there were certain situations where I think Griggsy, uh, I I'd been on the bench for four or five games, and then the first game I was back in the stand, Griggsy got sent off Easter Road. So, so it's just one of the things where so if that had been a game earlier, then you'd have gone in and you've got a chance to state your, your name in the team. And it, that, that's just that's just football right enough. That's just, just the way things go. But as I say, yeah, I mean, that was just, it was a privilege to be part of that. When I look back now, as I say, you're disappointed when you leave that you've no made a mark as much as you would like to have. But again, I'm, when I look back now that I've actually stopped playing and, and as I say, 
to be involved in. I mean, the the first the first season I was there, we were involved in in the UEFA Cup. I mean, we we played two qualifiers, we played six Champions League games, we played uh, countless games in, in in the UEFA Cup, and as I say. We got to the League Cup final, we got to the Scottish Cup final. I think it was guys in that squad played 60-odd games in the season. Uh, guys like Carlos Quella, Davy Weir and stuff, even at his age. So, as I say, fantastic dressing room, fantastic to be part of it, fantastic to be involved in some big games. Uh, and as I say, it was I was very fortunate. But again, there was a time when I had to move on to kind of go back to, to playing. As I say, there's been times in my career where I've been a number one and I've been playing all the time, regardless of illness, injury, whatever. There's been times where... You're having to fight about it just to stay in the team. There's there's times when you're a number two and you're desperate to get in the team. There's, there's times when I've been a number three through obviously the, the the stiff competition. So as I say, now now I've experienced all that over the last nineteen twenty years. Then as I say, it's it, that's that's where I want to pass on to the younger generation now because anything that they will go through or anything that they ha- that they will go through in the future, ninety nine percent I've been through myself. So as I say, it's it's now I can pass that experience and that and that, that on to them, and as I say, hopefully give them an opportunity to be, to be successful as well. And you were actually on you you were you were on the bench on the in the UEFA Cup final. Um, I believe that if I'm right in saying that 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 must have been some experience to be. Yeah, uh, the, the two semi-finals, the two semi-finals, so Florentina home and away, and the the final, uh, obviously, and then the Scottish the Scottish Cup, uh, and as I say, there was a. As I say, great great games to be involved in, great atmosphere. As I say, the at that point in time, they probably weren't the best to watch. But uh, as I say, the, but a Walter Smith team just never gave in. We, I mean, we hadn't been through that whole campaign. We never lost many goals. And as I say, the, the still saying, you don't lose goals, you don't lose games. So we were always we were always in games, and the, with the firepower we had and the kind of strength and depth that we had coming off the bench and that as well, we always fancied ourselves in like a goal here and there and that was exactly how that campaign went. As I say, maybe not the easiest on the eye, it certainly wasn't, a, it wasn't certainly wasn't a Man City or Liverpool or Borussia Dortmund, but again, it's nobody cares when you're there and you're winning the trophies, nobody nobody going to Manchester was bothering about how we got there, they were just delighted that we did and as I say, that's just, that's just, that's just football, isn't it? That's it, that's it. How would you say, um, how would you say, thank you, you're obviously, Part Rangers again now, we, 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 we're going to go on and, and talk about that. But maybe I wanted to touch on something just now. How do you, do you, you're obviously academy goalkeeping, head, head of academy goalkeeping at Rangers now. How did the time when you were at Rangers under Walter Smith differ from the time under, you know, Rangers are now managed by, by the great Stephen Gerrard? How do you see, do you see much difference in the way, the way things were ran from both managers? Both obviously, Walter, leg, legend, legend of Rangers and, and, and did it all. Stephen Gerrard, we're, we're, we're hopeful, you know, there's a big season, we're part of a big season now, but what, what's, your, what's your thoughts on it and the way they, they, they might differ? Uh, again, just the, the strength and depth of the squad, obviously the first team's now getting to that point where, as I say, obviously having a fantastic run in Europe there as well, and, and, and again, it's it's having, having the, the, the bodies that and the, the types of players that I mean, if you look at the campaign last year, how many games that you have to play a different way or you have to play against a different style and that's when you need your strength and depth. The fact that one one week you might be playing against a team who just sit in, uh, like so we've seen at the weekend there, then as I say, there's times where, where teams will play 3-5-2, they'll go, th- they'll go three up top, they'll go, as you say, you're going to Europe and you're experiencing all these different players, but as I say, the, the club, uh, when we were there, it was the same. It was like, we, we, were, we were quite... 
we were quite rigid as such in, in the way we played and as I say we never gave away many goals and we, we had firepower at the other end and and, and I see similarities now, I see similarities now and, and obviously the, the, the gaffer at the moment is adding to that so as I say hopefully that, that bears fruit in the future as well and as I say we, we get success at the end of it but as I say, it's it's a little bit difficult now that I'm no because I'm not round the first team side. When I was a player, obviously you used to have the young goalies coming round, and and as I say, they would spend maybe half an hour, forty minutes, and then they would go around with their squads. So we, they would do the goalkeeping bit with us, and and I'm I'm trying to get as much as of that out of my older ones as well because the ne the next step for them would be the transition with the first team as well. So if we can between myself and Colin Stewart, the first team goalkeeping coach, so. I, I try and push as much as I can on the call, and obviously, he he kind of he needs to pick and choose depending on kind of what day of the week it is. If it's prepping for a game or if it's recovering for a game, but we try as much as to get we, we try as much as we can now to get the kind of older guys that are ready for it kind of dipped into the first team training because that's a big bit as well. You talk about when I was young transitioning to playing with kind of academy or boys club to then going and playing professional it was it was the fact that see when I was was in training in October school week or something Jim Stewart would throw me into a shooting practice with the first team and for for the first 10 minutes the boys would just be whizzing by you and you wouldn't have a clue what was happening because again it was it was experienced strikers it was Ali McCoy's it was Paul Wright's it was it was guy Andy McLaren guys like that and as I say out of 10 shots you weren't saving any and you had that bit where you were saving 10 out of 10 at the youth team so it's, it's a bit it's a bit dipping in and out of it and saying that that then found I found that intrinsic bit to say you know what right I need to get better here so you you, you want more of it and you, and you then get maybe get to two saves out of ten and then you might get a three and then you might get a four and five and six and then as I say when you then get to the nines and tens out of ten is that's when you're accepted in that company and obviously you you found that bit to go and deal with that so I think now the academies are kind of separated a lot of clubs the, cap the academies are kind of almost separated for the first team now especially with, with kind of conditions at this moment in time with the, with the current covid climate but as i say try to get certainly from my point of view i think that getting the players obviously need to be good enough but getting the players around to the first team and, and, and dipping them into that environment is 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 influential and as i say that the more you can do that uh, the more you can see again that bit we're talking about can they handle the pressure can they they can all handle they can all handle losing the ball when they're playing with their pals, but can they go and handle the ball in front of the manager? Can they go and lose hand can they go and handle losing the ball or going to win it back or showing their recovery techniques if they're doing it in front of first team players and, and the guys that they only see it can again it's a lot of times they only see the three o'clock on a Saturday, whereas they don't actually the more you can dip them into they actually you actually see the, the how much how much hard work and sacrifice is put into a daily week just to lead up to a game. So as I say, it's dipping them in and trying to give them a wee insight to how, how hard it actually is. And as I say, again, the ones that ha I've said before, but the ones that handle that will be the ones that have a, have a better chance of making it. It was good. I watched an interview actually with Stephen Gerrard recently where he said he's all for academy boys coming through, but they need to, they need to earn it. Nobody's going to be getting yeah, it. Yeah, the, the, the gaffer spoke to the boys on the first day and he came in the door. And, and as I say, he they know the first team staff know through obviously conversations with ourselves and, and with the various other staff in the building about what players are doing well, what players are, are doing this, doing that and as I say, I mean he's had a look at every one of them is it again so it's that bit of there's times where it's it's justified as such and there's times where he, he can get that and there's times where he has to draw away and start preparing obviously for games and stuff as well so as I say the 
the, the the more that the more guys we can get through the better but that that bit of dipping them in and out is is vital and as I say the gaffers the gaffers had ran his eye over every boy in the academy that's I mean that's that's the one thing that that would probably be similar to Liverpool when you look at them this season that the, the academy's massive for them not necessarily for the league and stuff but when you look at the Carabao Cup and stuff like that and you look at the, the kind of players that they've kind of They've tried to to put in every now and again and, and and give them an opportunity to succeed. And as I say, the guys in our building have certainly had an opportunity to to succeed at different periods. So as I say, again, the ball's in their court. That that they've got to prove that they're at that level. And if they're at that level, the, the manager will give them a chance. And he, as he's shown that previously, that he, has, he can. Good, good, good to hear. So do you, you know, communication wise, do you do you get a wee tap on the shoulder here and there from uh, from the gaffer asking what you? What you might think about this lad, or what you might think about that lad. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I have a good relationship with the first team staff. As I said, there's a I'm in constant contact with, with the first team goalkeeping coach every day. Anyway, in terms of uh, if I'm taking a couple of goalies off him, or he's taking a couple of goalies off me, or just the age and stage and the progress of where they're all at. As I say, that's that because obviously my job is to try and get them round to his side of the building in a permanent basis. And as I say, he. Uh, Colin obviously has, has got to oversee the, the the whole the whole thing. So as I say, the, I, I'm I oversee basically the whole academy. So on a daily basis, I'm on the grass with the professional guys, the B team guys, and the, and the under 18s. And then obviously, I uh, kind of oversee all the coaches that work with the schoolboy academy for the 16s right down. We've got a performance school, we've got a development group. So uh, I need to kind of coordinate all that. Uh, and as I say, there's a we've obviously got an under eighteen goalie coach now as well, and Connor Brennan has came in the building the last couple of years, so that's been good for me that I can now I'm now in the B team and I can gravitate towards the first team a little bit more in terms of that transition bit. So uh, when the goalkeepers go on loan, we can have a better handle on that, and obviously uh, watch them more and more as opposed to being able to only having the loans manager to do it. Kind of, I can now kind of help him out as well in terms of going to watch all the goalkeepers, which I've always done with academy goalkeepers anyway. I say that's the most important bit that we can we can prep them and give them the tools for being at the right stage, and then obviously they can go out the building and, and get that real football that I had with Queens Park and Stenhouse Muir and that. And as I say, we had, I mean, we had Robbie McCrory out in loan last year playing SPL, who's obviously back out this year at Livingston. We had Kieran Wright playing championship football at, at twenty years of age, and we had an eighteen-year-old in League Two. So as I say, that's the kind of that's the kind of pathway that we want for our goalkeepers. And, and again, if we look at even Robbie for the last couple of years, he's, he's done League Two, and then he's went to the bottom end of the championship between the South, and then he's went to the bottom end of the SPL. We we uh, we oh, sorry, we went to the SPL with Livingston who finished seventh last year. So they'll be hoping for a similar campaign this year. And as I say, that's the kind of stages that we want to build up, and and again, that that's dipping them in, in and out of that as well. So you you'll know if they're handling it, if they can go to the next stage, and maybe if they're not, they need a wee bit more time or or, or whatever reason there might be a circumstance behind it. So I say it's having a pathway and having a and a relationships in place with all these clubs that we can put them in loan. I say that's the most important bit, and as I say, because my job is to prepare them for first team football. And as I say, the the, the gaffers and I'm in constant contact with the first team goalie coach, and and again the, the gaffer and 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 Mike Beale and Gary McAllister and other coaches that they're very aware of the academy. They'll nip round and watch training when they can, if and when they can. Yeah, obviously with the European competition, and and previously the COVID there's a lot of kind of lot of travelling about, and obviously there's a lot of coordination needed for the first team in terms of travel and everything else like that, and training times and everything else. So. As I say, there's a they, they certainly know what's coming next in terms of the kind of 
that kind of almost like conveyor belt, if that's what you want to call it. But as I say, uh, like aye, they've got they've got a handle on that. And again, we obviously at the academy end have just got to give the guys the tools to be successful as possible. But and then the next bits on them, isn't it? Your 2009, um, we've already jumped jumped on to the latter part of your career there with your with your goalkeeping, but you have a you have a, a big period um, after 2009. You you obviously made the decision that it was probably you know wise for you to go and seek you know playing first team football. You you went on to play for periods at St Johnston, St Mirren, Peterhead, um, and you finished with Rays Rovers in, in 2018. Looking at that part of your career. It seemed like you had some some great periods, but you also seemed to start getting some injuries coming in as well, which is obviously must be quite challenging. But talk to me about your experience with those clubs. Well, probably early on was was probably the most difficult one because I'd I'd had a great when I obviously had a year left my contract with Rangers and St Johnson wanted to take me in loan, and I thought, well, there's no point me playing well against everybody, and then the big games against Rangers that are on the TV, I've got to sit in the stand. So, so I kind of made the decision then to just go and play. Uh, and so I'd done a great pre-season, St Johnson's, our pre-season at Rangers was slightly earlier due to Europe, Europe, Europe and everything else like that, so as I say I did I did three or four weeks with Rangers and then obviously uh, caught up with St Johnston on their pre-season tour and the very, the very last game over in Northern Ireland I went to take a bye kick and I've just pinged my, hand, I've pinged my thigh, uh, didn't even know at the time what I'd done uh, and then obviously I've got scanned when I came home and uh, realised I had a seven centimetre tear in my thigh, so that wasn't it. I'd went for no for training and and obviously want to play to then getting an opportunity to play. And as I say, I'd done that, so I ended up not making my debut with St Johnson to about October. We beat Dundee United in the derby in the, in the cup, and 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 it was a I think it was a midweek under the lights at McDermott. We won two one anyway, uh, and as I say. Then I ended up playing about twenty odd games before the end of the season. I never missed a game for being back in. So already, although it was delayed through an injury, uh, as I say, I ended up playing twenty odd games that year. So it was a, it was a good decision. And then obviously the next year, I had a couple of finger injuries and a couple of weak kind of niggly ones that kept me in and out of the team. And and Peter Enkelman was Peter Enkelman was signed. Uh, so I decided to move on. And then again, St Martin was probably the most frustrating year because again I'd signed with St Martin to go and play. And uh, all the games, all the normal league, the league games were kicking off on the Saturday. So we were playing. Our game had been changed to the Monday night because we were playing Dunfermline, who had just been promoted. So on the Saturday at training, I broke my finger. So so I missed the missed the game. Uh, I played a couple pre-season games, did well. Uh, as I say, then broke my finger. So which is just part of the job, unfortunately. Just it was, it was bad timing, and then again. I just couldn't get in the team basically because the, the goalkeeper was there, Craig Sampson at the time, who I grew up with at Kilmarnock. Uh, Big Sammy had a great, very, very consistent season. So it's just one of the ones where you've just got to sit and take your medicine. You've just got to train train to the best of your ability so that if you're given the opportunity, you do yourself justice. Uh, there's no point mumping and moaning and, and throwing the toys out the pram and going in the huff because you're not playing. As I say, that that's part of the things that I learned when I was younger, where if you're not in the team, how are you going to get in the team? You're going to pr- pr- prove that you're better. But again, any time that Big Sammy played, any time he had a kind of had a, a wobble or a kind of poorer game, he bounced right back. And I say that was credit to him. He had a, he had a quite consistent season and made a consistent season as a team. So again, it got to the end of the season and, and I thought, nah, I need to go and I'm not going to play the next year because obviously it was a kind of fight between me and Craig that year and and, and, and obviously he won that fight. So as I say, it was the next year I thought, nah, I need to go and I need to go and play. And that's when I decided to, to kind of look beyond 
my playing days and that's when I started doing my coaching badges so by that point I was getting to 30 uh, and as I say the opportunity I had a couple of different moves fell through through people not moving on and lack of money which is just part of football so I got to a point where I was I was training with Partick Thistle uh, for a couple of months and, and, and uh, I got to a point where I was 30 in October and I went I'm not doing this anymore I said I need to go and think about the next step so uh, I, went, I decided to go part-time I did offers for part-time clubs for the summer but I kind of uh, respectfully declined them because, uh, again, I, I, felt, I felt as if I was good enough to play at the top level in Scotland, which is SPL. And as I say, I'd been an SPL goalkeeper all my days as such for, for when I left school to join Kilmarnock. And, and I wanted to, to continue that, but obviously circumstances dictated that, that I was going to have to look someone else to play. So as I say, I, I, I eventually, uh, I'd, I'd been speaking to the assistant manager, Peter Head, who, who stayed quite local to me. Uh, David, uh, David Nicholson. So, as I say, uh, spoke to him, uh, and he and he'd been happy. Can you come, Tremors? Come, Tremors? And, and I thought, no, I'm not going to bother. But by the time kind of November, uh, October, November came, I decided to go for it, and I signed with Peter Head uh, to play part time. And then again, it was it, it wasn't a decision I wanted to make to go part time, but I, I started doing my badges, and I thought it will give me an opportunity to do my badges and I can go part time. So, as I say. That was when I decided to join Peterhead and it was a great decision because I really enjoyed my time up there as well. They were a fantastic club with, with great people behind the scenes, salt of the earth people, uh, people that are still keeping contact to this day and as I say, they were absolutely fantastic for me and my family and everything and, and it just worked out that I could crack on with my badges and try and get them get through them as quickly as possible and as I say, that's how it turned out and as I say, I think uh, I ended up signing in November, played so, in fact, Rangers were in the league at that point. Rangers had been demoted uh, to League Two. Mm-hmm. And uh, just we daft things again when you look back in your career. So, I ended up playing like 170 games in a row uh, for Peterhead before I kind of. Obviously, I'd played through niggles and everything else like that, but they're far, far easier to manage on a weekly basis when you were part time. Yeah. Uh, so, as I say, I played about 170 games in a row that year. I ended up, I only signed in November and I won Player of the Year. Uh, and, and it was just the wee things like we finished second to Rangers in League 2 we were unfortunate we never went up in the playoffs but just I, actually I think I broke the club's record of, uh, that still stands I think it was like 9 hours or something without losing a goal and just wee things like that and then as I say we actually finished with a better defensive record that season than Rangers and Rangers obviously were were running away with the league but as I say just to have that I mean it doesn't sound a lot to other people but for, for a goalkeeping point of view to have that kind of thing and look back on that and and, and as I say, that's the kind of things that that's why you want to play football. You want to play, play football to do to do all these things. And as I say, uh, to to do that. And then as I say, I just the fact that I was doing my badges. And as I say, Peterhead were absolutely fantastic for me. And as I say, I, I really enjoyed really enjoyed my five years. Obviously, it, it finished in a disappointing way, getting relegated. Uh, and then I left after that. And that was a season I kind of had a lot of niggling injuries and found myself out of the team and. I was trying to play through injuries and I, there was actually points where I was only just turning up and playing on a Saturday because I was getting treatment during the week and, and I just and it didn't know I did that way. I just couldn't train an AstroTurf because my knee was flaring up all the time. Uh, but as I say, yeah, disappointed how it finished. But as I say, my five years up there, apart from the last season, my, my, my years up there, I really, really enjoyed. Great club. Sounds like a brilliant, sounds like a brilliant time. Uh, did you have a wee spell at Great Rover before you, before, you, before you retired? Am I right in saying that? Yeah, so so I, I kind of decided in the January when I was kind of struggling with injury and doing a lot of the travelling at Peterhead. I mean, as I say, the travelling at Peterhead was never a bother because 
they were a great club they, they used to take you up on a Friday night and put you up in a hotel I don't think I'd have been able to stay up there as long if I'd done it on a Saturday got up and down in the one day and as I say they, they really looked after the boys for the kind of the kind of central belt in, in the west they, re- they really did uh, but as I say I kind of knew been around about the January time that my, I kind of my time was going to be up in the summer I, my, I was out of contract and I thought uh, as I say we didn't we didn't particularly do well that season uh, as a collective M- myself included I wasn't particularly great I was in and out and as I say diff- disappointing with me niggly injuries that, that were normally would have kept me I would have played but, but I just it got to a point where it was just too sore so as I say uh, we obviously moved on for there uh, and again I'd been at Rangers I'd been at Rangers kind of uh, for 2016 so I'd been at Rangers for 2016 as a kind of part-time coach so I'd been doing the kind of school uh, obviously when I got my coaching badges so during the day so I'd, I'd done the school uh, the performance school during the day and I did a couple of the, the academy sessions at night and stuff uh, and then obviously there was there was opportunity at that point where obviously Mark Warburton had left and, and, and Colin who Colin Stewart the first team goal coach now who originally held my position at the head academy he was kind of going to the first team so I, I kind of did his job almost for a little bit uh, for, for a couple of different periods where obviously when he, when when uh, Mark Warburton left and when Pedro Cachinha left and stuff so I was I was starting to get more and more into the into the coaching side of things uh, and as I say starting to get more of the, the bug for that but again I think it was after one or two games of the season where I didn't have a club and, and I got a phone call from Rafe Rovers and said obviously we're goalkeepers going about for a long time the, and we want an experienced goalkeeper to play so again went up there uh, again uh, kind of great season great club just fell short at, at the last hurdle we, I mean uh, I think I played 22 games had 11 clean sheets uh, we won every game at home uh, we're 100% record at home. We had to beat Alloa in the last game at home uh, to win the league for United and we drew 0-0 uh, and we hit the post in the last minute. I, I just obviously there's anything else, you've good games and you've bad games but as I say we were so close and then obviously we kind of faded away in the playoffs uh, and, and as I say it was, it, was dis- it was disappointing but I didn't want to finish on that, but as I say, because I've been at Rangers for a couple of years, and then obviously there was more and more coaching roles were starting to come up and get offered to me. And I, and I, and I, and I think about the future, I guess you know. Yeah, I had a couple. Of, I was, I mean, I was, I was starting to make a kind of reputation for myself as a half decent coach, and so there was more kind of. There was still offers. I always said, when I was young, I would keep playing. I would keep playing until my body couldn't handle it anymore, or the phone stopped ringing, and and neither was the case, but. Uh, because as I say, I still had a cut offers to play. Uh, I wanted to go to race for that for that season because it was a chance to go full time again. Uh, obviously, it was kind of Rangers, my Rangers stuff at night and stuff never really hampered any of that, so it was fine. Uh, so a chance to go full time, and then as I say, I, I kind of weighed up my options for 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 most of that summer uh, because as I say there was a couple of coaching uh, offers had been put to me, and obviously one of them was head of academy goalkeeper Rangers, so. Again, I'd kind of hummed and hawed for a little bit and I wasn't sure and I thought, well, I, I still want to play. I, I just had it in my head that I wanted to play at 40. But uh, as I say, I was I was 35 at that, that time. And uh, I, as I, again, when I, when I weighed it up and I thought, well, Rangers is my club. It, it's something that, again, if I if I knocked it back now and that job never came back up, I would be disappointed in myself. So as I say, I decided to kind of hang up the gloves as such. 
uh, and, and take up the role. And as I say, it's, it's a role that I've really enjoyed for over the last, well, this is now me entering my third season. Uh, and as I say, it's something that I've really, really enjoyed. I mean, it's a, it's a good place to work in terms of the, the boys and, and, as I say, the environment and everything else. And as I say, uh, I've got a great group of goalkeepers that I work with as well. And as I say, I've got a good relationship with the first team goalkeeping coach and the first team as well. So, as I say, it's... Don't get me wrong, the first maybe couple of months and when the first when the first kind of real football started getting played again in the League Cup sections, I thought, oh no, what have I done here? I don't. I was getting itchy feet and I was wanting to play, but again, I, I kind of made my peace with it and as I say, I help out every now and again, training by going in the goals and there's, a, there's the, the odd charity match and the odd testimonial and stuff like that as well, so that kind of... Well, that you, played, quell- you, played in a, you played in a Chris Boyce? Yeah, so that, that kind of quells my Do you things that's... You realise I only played forty five minutes that day, but I'd, I'd more had had more saves had more saves in that game for Boyd than anybody else. Every time he seemed, because it was a testimony, I think I would just let them shoot. It was like it was like being a, it was like when me and Boyd used to go to the back park at training. We we before the the bit of rugby park was a hotel. Now it used to be the old training pitch, and as I say, the first team used it on a Friday. And all the kind of youth team used to go out on a Friday and collect all the equipment in, and we'd end up staying for hours because we'd just play. We'd play World Cup and we'd play cross in and we'd play big boy. They would just want to hit a million shots in you because that's just what I love doing. And I just love being in the goals. And as I say, it was pretty weird that then all the years later you go back and play his testimony. There was many saves again. But yeah, as I say, they, all the things they get, they kind of they kind of quell marges when it comes to diving about the goal. And as, when you wake up like a cardboard cut out the next day, you realise you're happy you retired. <laughs> you couldn't do it every day. <laughs> I mean, you know. What a career! What a career! I mean, and and I, I think you're almost in a you're almost in a dream job now. After your career finishes, I mean, Rangers are your club. You're the, you know you're a goalkeeper. You're a goalkeeper through and through. You're now coaching the next batch of goalkeepers coming through. It must, you know. I, I mean, I come from a cricketing background, playing international cricket. But you know, I I have to do other jobs at the moment. I, I would love to to get into the coaching world and, and be coaching cricket again, it would make it be a lot more, it must be, it must be a lot easier to get out of bed in the morning, I'm saying. I, I mean, yeah, absolutely, as I say, there's, I mean, I've, listen, everybody goes through their careers and they have good bits and bad bits, but, I mean, I've been very fortunate that, that, uh, that my good bits have far outweighed the bad bits, far, far outweighed the bad bits, but again, I don't think that's through luck, I think that's through hard work and, and determination, and that's something that I was always, that's always something I was always given for my dad and, and as I say, my early coaches where, as I say, that if you want something, you've got to work hard for it and you might not always get the breaks, but as I say, it's like anything else, you get you get times where things go well for you and you get times where things don't go well for you, but it's how you respond and how you react. And as I say, I'm, I'm very fortunate in terms of all I ever wanted to do when I was a wee boy was be a professional football player. And when I look at my youth team at Kilmarnock and we had some unbelievable players in that team. I mean, too many to mention, actually. There were far loads of guys. Some guys only had two or three years at it and, and fell away to juniors or went to college courses in America or other guys had a few more years. And as I say, the, the, I'm very fortunate the fact that I've played for 19 years and probably I could have played for longer. Uh, but as I say, I'm, I'm very proud of that fact and I'm very proud of the fact that, 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 that as I say, I've... I was a, I grew up a Rangers fan. I've been a Rangers player, and I'm now a Rangers coach. And and as I say, that's that that that's high up there. With, with, as I say, obviously with, with, my, with my kids and everything else, the fact that I've been allowed to do the three things: being a professional footballer my whole life, play for the club I loved, albeit it was once, uh, 
And as I say, now to coach the next batch of kids, as I say, it's something that I don't think many people have been in the position that I've been in. So as I say, I'm grateful for that. But again, I know that, that I don't rest my laurels. As I say, I always work hard. And and, and uh, anybody that knows me, as I say, from a, from a player point of view or a or a, or a, a job point of view as such, we work uh, now coaching, as I say, they, they know what they're going to get from me. They're going to get somebody who's honest. They're going to get somebody who speaks their mind. And they're going to get... Somebody who wants the best for the club, and as I say, that that's that's the way I've always been when I've been a player or a coach. As I say, that's one thing I learned very early, and as I say, that's one thing that I've always that's always stayed in me. And as I say, I think that's been a part of me being successful as well. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, to finish with, big man, a wee bit of question time for you. Don't want you overthink it too much. Just want you fire some answers at me. Um, who was the best you played with, Rangers? Barry Ferguson. Good, good choice, big fan. Did you? Um, what was it like to share a changing room with Ali McCoist? Uh, strange. The, that that was uh, again. We talk about like upbringing in football and stuff, and like young kids now they don't eat clean boots and everything else. I mean, we had we had to clean the whole stadium on a Friday if there was a home game on a Saturday. I mean, like wash the dugouts, clean the the, the bird the bird poo, just do everything. I mean, you honestly the the, the, the you put the frost sheets down in the winter and stuff like that and. And even that bit now of it's kind of lost a lot with training grounds because there's always new somebody's got that job. There's a kit man or there's a there's a, a laundry lady or something. But you know, that way, when you were a young boy, you had to go in and you had to get all the boots and you had to get the the, the slips and you had to get the socks and the sweaty all the sweaty gear and everything. That. And as I say, guys like Gordon Marshall, who it'd be fair, big Marshall used to stick up for me even being in the goalies union. But I mean, Gordon Marshall and and. Uh, Ali McCoy, Stanine Durant, and that, like, as I say, they just, and, and guys like Tosh McKinley, all, all the guys that had been, we all firm and that, I mean, they were, they were quite witted, and as I say, oh, you, you used to get in that first team change when I was a young kid, you get destroyed, absolutely destroyed. In fact, I think, I think it was it was Alan Mahood, uh, who I still talk to now, as I say, who they, it was when the, you ever remember when the Royal Family came out with Ralph Little? So I just got called, I just got called Anthony for two years. <laughs> I'd never, I'd never watched the programme, just everybody's called me Anthony and I'm going, what's he on about? And as I say, no, just one of the, but it's just, it's just banter and it's, I mean, it's like anything else, I mean, you could call it bullying, you could call it, you could call it bullying now, but for me it was character building, it was done in the right way because as I say, it's, now there's a fine line between what's right and what's wrong and as I say, there's, there's a lot more child protection stuff and everything else like that going on in, in life, but Again, go back to my upbringing, I wouldn't swap that for the world because I say it was the making of me a man. And as I say, even the daft stuff about getting up and singing songs in front of people for at Christmas and just see the fact that you, you, you're you no scared to be embarrassed in front of your pals. Because how are you going, how am I going to go and train with you guys and shout for the ball? Or, or if Ali McCoy is in my team, doesn't matter whether it's a 17 year old, a 19 year old, or, or Ali McCoy. So if he misses a chance, I'm going to have a wee pop at him. Yeah. Same, same that he would have a wee pop back at me. So as I say, things like that, because uh, that was that was one of the reasons that command how that that was exactly what I'm talking about there. So, Bobby Wilson's a manager. So I'm only seventeen, eighteen at the time, and we're playing in a small sided game. And I think uh, so. Big Jim Stewart had obviously just threw me into the game just to, just to see how I handled it basically. And uh, so I've lost kind of one height in your post. So the next minute. I hear Coy say, come on Smitty, you can't get beat there. So, 
you've got to accept it it's because you shouldn't get beat there. So anyway, and it's Ali McCoy that's talking to you. So anyway, so Coyster goes up the park and I think he misses one for about two yards, goes by the post. So I've obviously said cheekily under my breath, come on Coyster, you can't miss that. And the next minute Bobby Williamson's heard me and Bobby Williamson said to me, say that again Smitty. And I thought he caught me, I thought he was going to get upset with me. And I, 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 I don't think he can miss for there, eh, gaffer. Anywhere like that. Go and tell him then. So in that way, I'm kind of looking at it and I'm going, I can't believe he's put me in this position. So I, I've shouted up the other end to Coisty. Ah, oh, you can't miss for there, Coisty. So the next minute, all the players have, have kind of caught caught me hearing it and they've all kind of cheered and clapped and all that. And as I say, Coisty took it in the right way because he'd been dishing it to me. And as I say, it's, it's them when you can give that wee bit back and in a kind of jokey and respectful way that, that you end up being kind of accepted in that company. And as I say, then you, you then know that you can, I'm not necessarily saying be a wee, wee bit braver with them, but it's just that bit of, you know that then if they miss, a, if they're shouting at you for something, you can shout at them back and they'll no take it the wrong way. And I think there's a lot of that now where it's kind of, a lot of people don't look at themselves. They look at, they look at, they, they look at somebody else and it's kind of, well, I missed that because he, oh, it was this or it was that. Yeah, and it was, way too much. Uh, I see, it's interesting to hear you, you say that because there's a, and up and up and my, and you, don't like to say in my day and or you and your day because we've all got our different days. But I do notice the youth seem to know take a take a wee bit of criticism as as, as well. Now they seem to get really fired at somebody else's fault, and you've got to look in the mirror at yourself. That's yeah, exactly. I think a lot of, a lot of times now people think correction is criticism, and that that's the biggest thing where where you try to correct people and you try to guide people, but quite often you find it's the kind of I bought I bought that I bought this, and it's like no, just. Can you can you answer these questions? Did you do that to the best of your ability? Should you have done this? Could you have done that? And it's and it's bits like that where when you then get to it, you say, "All ah, right, okay, I need to look at myself first. I can't go and dig people out, or I can't go and I can't go and have a pop at people, or, or I can't be blaming this or blaming that." Because again, it goes, but you've you've got to have your own house in order first, haven't you? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Who was the best you played against? Oh, uh, quite a few to be fair. Uh, as I said, I, I, I played against Robbie Keane, uh, who was who was difficult. Uh, guys like Shot Arvaladze uh, and stuff like that when at Rangers, Dado Perzo. Uh, and as I say, one of the guys I grew up against who always unfortunately had a good record against me whenever I played against him was Big Boydie. Uh, as I say, all the times at the back part getting shots fired into me. Uh, he, he just kind of knew where they were, and as I say, nothing changed when it went back his testimony, I know. So, as I say, nah, but as I say, I've been fortunate enough to play against a lot of, lot of good players, uh, and as I say, it's been it's been enjoyable to be involved in kind of big games, and as I say, the, the cup finals, and as I say, I used to love going to Ibrox and Parkhead and playing, and that was, I always seemed to do well in the games, I don't know what it was, just about the atmosphere and the crowd, where you would kind of, as I say, you just, I always liked Tynecastle as well. Tynecastle was always a good stadium because you just, you felt as if everybody was on top of you. So you almost had that wee bit more to say, you know what? I'm going to keep these bandits out. I'm going to make sure that I don't don't concede here and just just wee things like that. Where, as I say, that was was kind of in the bit in your in your head all the time. Just saying, like, just keep them out and keep them out and keep them out. But obviously, when you go to Ibrox Park, it's a bit harder. But as I say, always always enjoyed playing at these stadiums. And as I say, that's. That's what you. That's when when I was nine, ten, eleven, kicking the ball about Airdrie, and as I say, breaking all women's fences, and that. I just that was what I always wanted to do was play at the stadiums, and I say I've been fortunate enough to do it a few times. So, 
up and down. Listen, very, should be very, should be very proud, proud of your career. Last question, the ultimate question. Smitty, are Rangers going to stop ten in a row this year? <laughs> I knew this was going too smooth. <laughs> uh, yes, they are. As I say, there's again the COVID's no COVID stuff's no helped in terms of everybody's setup. I mean, even Celtic having to go cold, and I know they they, they win the game comfortable last night. But again, it's kind of you look at Bayern Munich, the fact that they were the kind of first team to come back, first kind of league to come back and play was the Bundesliga. And you look at how I mean, I know they've got firepower anyway, but you you see them at a teams that they're seen off by. Ridiculous amounts of score lines as well. So as I say, it's it's like, it's like anything else. It's you just want to build momentum and build momentum and build momentum. As I say, you've noticed in the last week, it's the end of the world for Celtic because they dropped Commander and it's the end of the world for Rangers because they dropped Livingston. And that's just part of. Doesn't matter whether you're a Rangers player or a Celtic player. That's just part of being at the clubs where it doesn't matter whether you're playing Barcelona or whether you're playing Berwick Rangers. You have got to win every game. And every game, every point that you drop, or every every point that you don't drop, every point you drop, or every two points you drop, is the end of the world. And as I say, that's because it's just a way of life for people. And as I say, it's, it's the be all and end all. And uh, and as I say, there'll be loads more twists and turns. That's for sure. Whether it's through COVID or whether it's just through performances and, and results, but there'll be loads more twists or turns. But uh, I've no doubt that this is our year to to, to claim back the SPL. Well, I think looking looking from the looking from the outside. You know, looks like brought in a couple of good defenders. It just looks like it more looks like a Rangers squad that I grew up watching. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting back to that thing: strength and depth. Strength and depth. It's something that something that 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 uh, Celtic's had for a number of years now. And as I say, through finances and everything else, and obviously now now that Rangers are, as I say, I mean, you don't you don't go and play the amount of games in Europe and be a successful in Europe if you're a bad team. Yeah. As I say, and then say, and even the. I know Celtic won the League Cup, but you could, I mean, it was a disappointing day, obviously the scoreline and, and the fact that you've not won the game for how much you've dominated, but again, that's that's the next step in, in terms to put the games in a way, and as, as I say, I think we're at that level now. We're, we're, came, up against, came up against a very good team, I was at the first, yeah. just before just before Covid, um, watched the first leg, and you know, it wasn't the best night for Rangers, but they never played, but, but they, played, they, they came, up a very good, came up against a very good side there. Oh, it's 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 all oh, if buts and maybes, and but when you look at previous seasons, where always always that kind of mental mental block against Celtic, where it was just it was one step too far. But I think we're beyond that now in terms of obviously winning winning in their backyard, and as I say, obviously leading in January. I know obviously the league the league fell away, but as I say, there'll be loads more twists and turns. But as I say, we we are we are more than we are more than a match for them now, and as I say, there'll be. There'll be loads of the, I mean, the, the size of the squad that the gaffers got. The, again, the hardest things keep more of the players happy, but it means that if you get a if you get a niggle, you've got another player in the same standard coming in right away, and you can rest players. And obviously, when you're playing in Europe, then you need to rotate the squad, and you might need to rotate uh, whether it's midfielders, whether it's forward lines, whether it's defenders, whoever. I mean, even you look at the last couple of weeks where obviously Griggsy's been missing, uh, and as I say, John McLaughlin's come in and been more than been a more than capable replacement. So. As I say, that we've now got strength and depth, and as I say, that's uh, that's going to hold us in good stead. And as I say, I firmly believe that this will be the year that that they will reclaim, but they claim the SPL back. I agree. I agree with you. Good answer. I think. I think this is a this is a year that that's enough bragging rights now. The other side of the city, it's time for 
things were Rangers to have some some bragging rights, and I think the squad wise, I get, totally agree with you. I'm excited watching from the outside. It looks it looks like a looks like a good unit, and I think Gerard's experience of already having a few campaigns under his belt will stand stand him in good stead. Look, I just want to say to you, thank you very much. Be uh, great, greatly appreciated. I could I could chat football with you for another hour, I'm sure. But we've all got. I'm sure uh, the kids will be coming back from football. Aye, aye. Uh, no problem. It's been good. It's been good reminiscing. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely.